I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> On the right day. Recording in progress. Good evening. I'd like to call to order the Shoreline Planning Commission regular meeting for Thursday, June 15th, 2023. First item will be the roll call. Ms. Hoaxman. Commissioner Brinson. Here. Commissioner Callahan. Here. Commissioner Galuska. Present. Commissioner Lynn. Here. Commissioner Mosier. Here. Vice Chair Wamashonje. Present. Chair Sager. Here. Thank you. Thank you. Next item, approval of the agenda. Does everybody approve of tonight's agenda? Wonderful. Uh, approval of the minutes from June 1st, 2023. Does anybody have any changes they need to make? Great. Those are approved. That brings us to general public comment. Ms. Hoxma, is there anybody signed up for general public comment tonight? There is not. Thank you. All right, moving right into our study item, which is the 2024 Comprehensive Plan Update Discussion of Online Open House and Survey. Mr. Bauer. All right, yeah, thank you. So tonight I'm here to present a summary of the online open house and the survey along with the other engagement activities that we've been undertaking since we were last here updating the or providing i think an overview of the public participation plan for the uh the comprehensive plan update and then also we're looking for the commission's input and feedback tonight in terms of looking ahead to the next phase of engagement so with that um, so the online open house was the main public facing kickoff uh, event for the comprehensive plan update and from here we'll be taking the input we've received and using that to inform future engage engagement activities that we hope to carry out over the summer and into the fall um, running in tandem with the engagement is work on data gathering the policy analysis and other work that's feeding directly into updating the comprehensive plan and so this slide provides that overview. You've seen this before. We're sort of in between here, so I highlighted both boxes. Um, but that engagement kickoff was, um, it, like I said, the open house here in spring. And then as we transition into the summer months here, we'll be looking at the next phase. So as a reminder, at the February 16th meeting, I presented to you the participation plan, which establishes the framework for the engagement. And then it identifies three broad goals that hit on ensuring that the community understands the purpose of the plan, ensuring the community has meaningful opportunities to participate, and that the city gets information in the context to inform the plan update through an equity lens. And the participation plan also includes a roadmap for the engagement, which calls out the tools and, and the tactics for each phase of the project. So each of these activities highlighted here in this first phase column uh, were all utilized in this initial kickoff um, and, and uh, phase of activities that we've undertaken. So the open house was live for a little over five weeks and the purpose was really about getting the community informed of what the comprehensive plan is, inform them of the update process 
and to check in and get feedback on some broad themes and concepts such as the vision statement and then we focus somewhat on housing on several of the questions just because that's one of our overarching themes is housing as you remember along with equity and climate um, and then also we've been doing in tandem some middle housing work as well and so we thought it was appropriate to include some more pointed questions on housing along with the, uh, the broader questions around the vision. Um, so there were two, uh, uh, two ways for visitors to the open house to interact. It was either through, or not either, but both through a survey as well as with an interactive ideas wall. And we promoted the open house pretty broadly. Um, we utilized the city's newsletter, the currents that most households are actually all should receive a, an addition of that. Um, we used the city's social media accounts, so Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we also utilized the city's website as well as issued a news release. And then we had posters and signs throughout the community. We had yard signs at strategic locations. Uh, we had posters at different businesses and at some of the parks and libraries as well. Uh, and then also during this stretch, we uh, attended a few tabling events. So we were at the city's home improvement workshop here at City Hall uh, three times. So there was one in March, April, and then in May. And then we also uh, attended the Richmond Beach Strawberry Festival as well. So the survey, some broad overview here before we jump into some of the details, uh, included 20 questions related to the comprehensive plan's purpose, the need, and the values. And then it also included some demographic questions as well. There were 286 responses to the survey, and the respondents predominantly lived in Shoreline and demographically represent or, or do not necessarily represent the makeup of the overall citywide demographics. And that's important to keep in mind as we look at some of the results here. And, um, and really also it's a reminder that, you know, this is just one tool that we use. It's not the only tool that we'll be utilizing throughout the process. And we'll have other, uh, other methods and means to deploy throughout the, the process to reach others in the community to make sure that we have some broad representation in the process. So I'm going to highlight several of the questions and the responses here, and these are all in your packet as well. And uh, starting with question number three here, which provided visitors with a summary of the city's vision statement and then asked them whether it still applies and gave them an opportunity an opportunity to rate how the city's performing and achieving the vision. So here was the a version or the version of the vision statement as we kind of paraphrased it. Um, if you go to the comp plan, you'll see it's like, it's probably at least a half page long vision statement that's in our, our document today. And so we kind of captured the broad concepts and uh, made it a little more usable for uh, people attending the open house. And then we asked them the question, does this current vision statement still apply to Shoreline today and to 2044? And so um, most people thought that either yes, it, either yes or somewhat it did still apply, and then with a smaller number of people responding no. 
And so that next question then, people were able to rate how well parts of the vision have been achieved so far. So going back to those bullet points that we summarized in question three, so people were able to uh, select um, and, and choose how, you know, either a mix of well, of well and not well, and then all the way to uh, not well. And so you can see some of the results here. Um, what I thought was interesting as I was reviewing this um, related to the, the third item down, Shoreline has a vibrant town center along Aurora Avenue. I think that that dark blue bar there of not well, I think is pretty uh, telling. And then um, also uh, there was another one here, the residents and neighbors are connected and involved in the community. Thought that was pretty telling that a lot of people felt that that was a true statement. So question five asked whether something needed to be added to the vision and then gave an opportunity for write-in responses. And most people felt that yes, there's more to be added, um, which is good, which is the reason of, or one of the reasons that we're going through the plan update process. And some of the themes from the write-in responses included a better defined town center along Aurora or, um, or potentially even away from Aurora, which I thought was interesting. Um, and many people, this was a theme through the, the write-in responses, felt that Aurora isn't necessarily a safe environment or really suitable for a town center. And uh, respondents also wished to see an emphasis on lower speed neighborhoods with smaller storefronts and then spaces for patio restaurants and other pedestrian amenities. Uh, another write-in theme was around public safety um, a lot of respondents expressed concern about current crime rates, recurring shoplifting, and personal safety. Um, there's not necessarily, you know, there's no data metrics shared here, but it's more about people's perception of safety here, I think, is what's shining through. And then um, maintaining a neighborhood feel. So a lot of respondents wrote in emphasizing a desire for more neighborhood environments and more walkability with lower scale housing and green spaces. Let's see, so question number six here asked what the most important characteristics for Shoreline are is in the future, and they were able to select their top three, and uh, those related to uh, primarily nature and parks and recreation, and then schools and cultural activities, and then again, that idea of mobility and walkability was coming through pretty strongly here as well. Um, and then again, on the other response, so that's second from the bottom here, but some uh, common elements here on the other write-in response related to housing affordability and the, um, you know, people having the ability to purchase or rent a home at an affordable level. And then again, safety was another theme on this. So moving to question seven uh, is where we transition to the topic of housing and asking about some of the biggest housing challenges. And the cost of housing was the top challenge um, pretty predominantly here and then followed again by safety. And then interestingly of not having any challenges. So we have this juxtaposition 
juxtaposition of people saying the cost of housing and then people saying that uh, they don't have any housing challenges all within the top three there. And the write-in responses on the other category here, again, uh, related to affordable housing, um, also housing options for aging uh, that uh, started to come through on these housing questions, which I'll hit on, and then having um, a range of options. So um, this was, you know, a common theme with the cottage housing discussions about having another option and maybe single level living where there's not stairs and things where people could age in place. Uh, neighborhood development and density also shown through on the other category here, um, as well as property taxes and then infrastructure and walkability again. So the next question asked what type of housing would work best in the next five years and then uh, with an overwhelming majority of people responding that a house would work best and um, the next uh, response was the other category in the, the turquoise there, the 10%. And those in the other category included desire for uh, apartments or condos with green spaces uh, and, and including trees and areas for vegetable gardens, uh, interest in duplexes and triplexes and townhomes, um, which was interesting that people wrote, selected other and wrote that in when that was an option that they could have chosen, but um, at any rate. Uh, and then multifamily and multi-generational housing. So again, that idea of being able to age in place and have housing that can kind of adapt and respond to where people are at. Um, ownership also was another write-in response and people kind of expressing concern on um, ownership of existing houses and being able to remain in them. And so there's a, um, you know, maybe some concern over displacement risk here coming through. Question nine was about the most important characteristics for future housing and the top three included affordability, middle and lower income residents, sustainability, and then homes that allow people to age in place. And so, um, and again, uh, the other, so that's ranked near the bottom here, but again, hit on, you know, access to green spaces, housing diversity and density, being, uh, having proximity to amenities and services, so that theme of walkability, and then affordability. Jumping ahead to question 15, asked what's your current housing situation? And the vast majority of respondents to the survey uh, were homeowners. And, um, and then second there is renters at about 10% there. And then question 16, uh, most people live in, in a house and then well, 10% live in an apartment or a condo and then only a small portion of folks that responded to the survey live in other forms of housing. And then jumping to question 18 here, uh, for respondents that lived in Shoreline, so this of course was open to anyone to be able to take the survey. Uh, we had a pretty good mix. We broke the city up into thirds geographically. So if you think of Puget Sound to Aurora and then Aurora to I-5 and then everything east of I-5. So we had a pretty good 
um, even distribution geographically in terms of people that responded. And um, how long have you lived in Shoreline? So the respondents here have mostly lived in Shoreline a long time. And so uh, we had 60% have lived here 10 plus years and um, even that 21 years or more category, I mean, that's it's pretty high in terms of the number of people that responded and how long they've lived in the city. So some common themes uh, just in terms of the, the people that responded. So um, concerns consistently appeared on the right end in responses, um, as well as the idea wall submissions, which I'll speak to here in a second. But they generally fall into categories related to housing, uh, safety, and then nature, and then the structure of the feel of the community. Um, the mentions of safety appeared across multiple questions. The term was used to characterize both personal safety as well as community safety. Uh, and then respondents emphasized importance of individual's sense of safety, as I mentioned. So as it relates to maybe the perceptions of crime or things being unsafe. Um, but then also uh, as it relates to safety related to mobility and accessibility for people walking and um, and biking throughout the city. Some common themes around the vision itself. So when asked about the vision established as part of the comprehensive plan, 85% of the participants agreed or somewhat agreed that the vision is still relevant, as I mentioned. So though there was a slight majority of respondents who felt that more needed to be added to the vision, um, you know, it, it's a pretty somewhat good indicator that we're at least within within the ballpark, so to speak. Uh, and then again, some recurring themes here about what should be added to the vision. So I mentioned you know, green space and nature, access to recreational opportunities, schools and cultural programs, and then that neighborhood scale feel of walkability and, and being close to services and amenities. Um, and then some themes around housing. So although a number of the open house survey respondents indicated that they didn't want or didn't have any challenges with housing, the cost of housing and affordability were clearly primary concerns that shown through on a lot of these responses. Uh, this came across on multiple questions and uh, they talked about it in terms of the ability to purchase rent. And then especially for those with middle or lower incomes, as well as those uh, as to have the financial capacity to remote, remain in home ownership. So that idea of displacement um, and being able to age in place. And then some other themes around housing related to the housing diversity and uh, the availability of more lower scale housing options. And then again, proximity to services and amenities. So I mentioned the ideas wall also. So that was the other component of the open house. And so this is the word cloud from the ideas, the comments that were gathered on there, but that was just the free form area where people could write in um, whatever they felt. Um, and so um, we had, let's see, 
Um, the, the prompting question here was, what are your ideas to improve shoreline over the next 20 years? And so we had 153 ideas posted here. Uh, we had 599 upvotes and then 73 downvotes of the ideas who you could like or dislike ideas. Um, the most upvotes here, this was the, the comment with the most upvotes and it had um, 27 upvotes here on this one. And again, not surprisingly, it's um, around the idea of being able to get out of our cars, being able to walk to places and, and live in a neighborhood that has those amenities. And then the most down votes was uh, make it easier to rezone individual lots, although it had uh, six up votes and seven down votes. So take that for what it's worth. So some overall reflections kind of broadly on the open house. Uh, we had, you know, good participation, but of course, like I noted, um, that, you know, this is just one segment of the community that's responding here. This, these aren't scientific results by any means. And so um, what's notably missing here is input from key audiences from people that have historically been marginalized by government decision-making. And so that's important to keep in mind as we move forward. Um, and so, you know, more specifically, um, we need to remember that the online open house results, you know, they're not fully in line with the principles and the goals of the participation plan that we set out. And so, like I mentioned, this was one tool for engagement, but it's not the only tool that we'll be utilizing um, and so we hope to have other meaningful opportunities to participate and, uh, and really more focused effort on reaching those other key audiences that we're missing from this piece. And so as we look forward, uh, the team is in the early stages of mapping out the next phase of engagement with focus on uh, reaching out and, and having more focused conversations on or, or with the Shoreline School District um, related to its staff, faculty, as well as families. Uh, also reaching out to other independent and private schools in the community, uh, reaching out to the Shoreline Community College and, and their community there, uh, the Shoreline Chamber of Commerce, other faith-based organizations, community-based organizations, and then continuing to build on relationships that we've established through some of the middle housing work that we've done. We've held a couple of focus groups and we've been reaching out to community-based organizations and other community members around the topic specifically of middle housing. So we hope to kind of build on some of that uh, groundwork that we've been laying there to focus a little more broadly on some of the comp plan work. So, um, we're continuing also to attend community events to get the word out. And so the team was just at the Shoreline Farmers Market last weekend. Uh, we'll have a presence at the Juneteenth event, which is here at City Hall and on the campus on Monday. Um, and so continuing to, just to try to get out there on the community or in the community um, on the ground and continuing to just share the message that we're, uh, we're undertaking this work. and. Uh, inform the community of how they can get involved and their voices can be heard. And so with that, uh, that concludes my presentation piece of it. And so we've got some questions in your report. I've summarized them here on the slide as well. 
um, and then also looking not just for responses to this question or these questions, but also any general feedback, um, any input you'd have to offer, and of course, any other questions. Wonderful, thank you for that presentation. All right, yes, Commissioner Um If I'm remembering the numbers from earlier, there, it was something like 79 to 81% white and around the same of home ownership. How does that compare to the general population? Like how, how disproportionate are, were we in this survey compared to, do you know? Those stats. Gosh, I can get that for you. Okay. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. The home ownership piece is pretty close, I think. Um, I want to say we're close to like 70% okay. ownership, um, but definitely demographically, in terms of um, age and race and gender, we were pretty off in terms of the respondents on this. Okay. Thanks. Um, other questions or comments related to this? Yeah, I just wanted to comment on question number one, if that's okay. Yes. Uh, my thinking is that you, the city really has a tool to reach minorities if they wanted to for free and really you don't need to translate. It's really partnering with schools. I kind of shared that idea way back. Uh, you partner with schools. The schools already have laptop computers. You make it, you make, you partner with schools, you make it like a a, a task for the kids to engage their, their parents. In return, the student gets credit, some kind of credit for it. But they'll do the translation for you. It becomes part of the, their homework. They talk to their parents because you'll find some of the parents that are less fortunate, they also do the jobs that maybe are late at night or such that they are unable to come and attend town meetings. But they will be at home at one point and their kids can then engage them to give you the information. I don't know if people might think that's not kosher, but I think it's a tool that is available. I'll call it a tactic, not a tool, but a tactic that is available to actually reach them because the, uh, right now all the kids, I think, have tablets and they can, they, can, they can give you the information. You don't have to hire an interpreter for them. It becomes a, a task for them and you can walk with some of those schools exactly what it is that you're looking to do and maybe break it down for them in a language. In, in other words, if there are some technical uh, terms that are in the survey, you break it down such that uh, a high school student, a middle school student, or even an elementary school student, third or fourth grade that can read can actually ask those questions. So it's how you kind of water them down and get the answers that you are looking for. I think they, there's opportunity there. Yeah, thank you. That's really good feedback. Yeah, we have, um, we've met with the Shoreline School District. So we're, we're working actively on making that connection and looking ahead to hopefully next school year um, to have some activities and kind of a more focused effort of where and how we want to reach the, the school district community. And the last one, which is the third question, I am available if you want me to attend some of those. I'll find time to come in and participate. Great. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me, Commissioner Callahan. Great work. Um, I think, you know, this is 
really interesting. Um, as others have noted, though, too, it's um, you know a little concerning how um, disproportionate um, the um, responses are. Um, I was just curious, like when you're going back out um, in these events that you mentioned that are coming up, are they going to be are you going to be doing the same survey with them, or are you like iterating at all and having different uh, types of questions or um, what what exactly will you be asking like this next group? Yeah, that's a great question. So the this survey is closed at this point, so we won't be, we're not actively getting people to still complete it or anything like that. And so um, it's a little different depending on what the event is. So for example, um, the our team was at the farmers market last Saturday, like I mentioned, and the focus there was just sharing and getting people acquainted with what middle housing was. So that is a component of the comp plan update. Um, and so we had some posters and graphics around what what is middle housing, what's that look like? And so really that effort was just about sharing information. We weren't necessarily gathering anything. We always have an, an opportunity for people to sign up if they want to get updates and things. And so that that list of people interested in, in staying informed and updated is growing at, with each of these events. Um, when the, the survey was open we and we were at events, obviously we were directing people there. Um, but then as we look ahead to the next phase and the phase after that of engagement, if we have another open house or a focus group or something like that on the horizon, we can uh, you know advertise for that or see if people are interested. Um, but yeah, oftentimes it's just about getting the word out, getting people informed. And you'd be surprised that um, you know, people have the types of questions or their level of interest and, you know, uh, uh, wanting to be involved or they might know of an organization or something. So we've we've made some connections in that way as well. Yeah, I just wanted to add to I, I think um, your question for the idea wall of asking, you know, what's what are your ideas to improve over the next 20 years? I mean, that's something that I think at these types of events would be you know great to keep um to keep as an ongoing um type of question with with these um conversations but um yeah great work thank you anybody else have questions or comment commissioner mosher so i guess i mean i think i probably bring this up a lot but i mean the results we get are obviously people that live here and have lived here for a long time but some of what we're talking about with middle housing is under the auspices of growth. So how do we reach people that don't live here? And the far-fetched example is when we were in Denver visiting my parents, coincidentally in the bus in downtown Denver was there was a move to Seattle sign. <laughs> <laughs> Which we, you know, we gave the grimace at. But like, is there something like, is it, do we need to like, I know we put placards out on the streets here. Is it like, do we need to go across the city limits, like go to the Greenwood Auto Show? Like I know a lot of people that live down there would like to live up here. Like, what would people that don't live here be interested in? I mean, that might be too big of a can of worms to open, but just to get a slight, I think we'd get a slightly different perspective. I, I, I hear a lot of, with, when you read, I read the appendices of all the comments, you can tell there's a lot of like long-standing kind of feelings, and it might just add some, like even to the ideas, it might add some freshness to the ideas. 
Yeah, and if you if you have specific ideas like the, I mean, yeah, we could we could potentially look at the Greenwood Auto Show. I don't know if I'll be able to recruit any of my team <laughs> to actually go there, but um, but yeah, I mean, if you have honestly specific, like not specific, but ideas around how to reach those people, I mean, um, it's something that we've talked about and wrestled with. Like, how do we how do we do this? This is a forward looking plan, you know we don't want to just capture the opinions and ideas of everyone that's here now. The Greenwood Auto Show is truthfully the only North Seattle-like event I can think of on the top of my head. <laughs> uh, Vice Chairman Mishundu. I have uh, one other question, and uh, I know this is a comprehensive fund for sure. I know we are talking of years coming. But in the questioning, there were answers that were immediate, that needed immediate responses something to do, say, with safety and theft and how people feel now. Are they some of those things that you are actually collecting and forwarding it up to for action now as opposed to waiting once the comprehensive plan is approved? Yeah, so we'll be, um, the, yeah, all these results are still pretty fresh, but we'll definitely, we have an interdepartmental team uh, uh, working on the comp plan update. So we'll be sharing all of these out with the entire organization, it includes the city manager's office and all the way down. And so um, the results will be shared. And then at some point, yeah, we'll be briefing the council on results and, and all of this work as well. Thank, thank you, because that's uh, really critical. The, the idea when you, you go down to Right across the street, you go to Fred Myers and you see that sign with the, it's like a police thingy, it has a blue light mm -hmm. on. That was never there. Then things changed and there was a lot of theft. And that's like, say, we are watching you. Same thing with Home Depot. There were cases where in the news where people were running with lumber from right across by Dan Lumber, breaking into Dan Lumber and taking lumber on TV. So it's not a perception, it's real. I just wanted to say that that is real. And so some of those things that are in there, that's not what we're trying to achieve, but also it speaks to what is happening now. So why think of 20 years from now, yet you can't fix what is happening presently? So there's that balance. Mm -hmm. So that's why I had to ask that question and see what it is that you're doing with the information that you're receiving, because it is important for the community. Yeah. yeah that's a good thank point. You. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, Commissioner Mosher. I guess to your, your point, we're talking about it being forward-looking. I'm wondering if there's a way that we, it jumped out at me in the first comment, then I went through it, is the number of times we talked about the focus on this is the town center. But like, as we're thinking about it, I think we have neighborhoods that we know have little business districts but should we be playing those up more? And even like in the zoning, it's not that I always like what Seattle does, but with their rebranding with single family zoning from the SF with the number, it's all neighborhood residential now. And so should we actually be looking at like little neighborhood centers and even renaming that so everything kind of supports that idea of them coming out? But then as part of that vision, like maybe we talk to people because the sidewalks came up a lot, like actually having a map of our sidewalk plan overlaid on that, because I think that's like 20 years too, right? I believe so, yeah. Like, I think a lot of the sidewalks are probably captured in that. And it might 
it might spur the question of should we have to more faster or like actually get to the heart because we think we're addressing some of it probably not as quickly as people want but anybody else I can piggyback off of Moshe's comment because uh, you are right, absolutely right. When Shoreline began in 1995, we, we talked about ourselves as a city of neighborhoods. So when we, talk, we point to Aurora, it sounds as if we are shifting from who we are. Uh, so very, very good question. Uh, what happened to the city of neighborhoods and promoting those neighborhoods and promoting livability within those neighborhoods? Are we really radically changing our vision and seeing that the center of shoreline is along Aurora? So I think so. that's a very good question probably to explore also. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah, I guess my, my logic in asking that is too is as I remember when we met the council, I apologize, I can't remember which council member brought it up, but part of the genesis of Shoreline Place was the city council poking at Sears a little bit to reimagine their real estate footprint. And so is there ways to do that, to like help break down even Aurora in different spots with little shopping centers becoming more localized? Or even, I'm thinking of Aurora and Ballinger in particular just because they're bigger and busier. But even as you go down to like Four Corners or some of those other ones have kind of bigger spaces that probably could be more supportive. And I think we can keep the neighborhoods. I think we can still promote neighborhoods and support neighborhoods, and but we can have corridors. Or um, I know people brought up like 15th. Um, somebody even brought up Meridian as not having any kind of businesses along there, even though it's quite a major route. Um, a lot of people use that as a cut through. So it doesn't have to ruin the neighborhood feel. Um, but it can be a, something that supports multiple neighborhoods. It's a corridor, whatever you want to call it, that supports multiple neighborhoods. Yeah, the, I mean, the, if you look at our zoning map, I mean, there's definitely distinct commercial nodes scattered throughout. And probably all of the, close to all of the neighborhoods are probably served within some distance of some of those nodes. And so, to your point, you know, you there's maybe opportunity to better connect those neighborhood nodes better with some of the corridors, and maybe there's opportunity for more commercial uses or um, or more housing along those corridors and more connectivity and supporting some of our, our multimodal uh, goals and aspirations on some of the corridors and connecting the neighborhoods and these nodes to maybe the light rail stations, and so there's. Definitely, there's a framework there that could potentially be explored on. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm sorry, <laughs> Commissioner Kaluska. Uh, the 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 two words I haven't heard in in the I think it might have been on the idea wall a little bit, but I haven't really heard us mention. I think it kind of ties into the discussion of neighborhoods is uh, light rail. Compared to Linwood, the, the conversation for their comp plan update is really centered around the light rail station opening. We have two light rail stations opening, and I think, you know, if we're looking at the timeline of a comprehensive plan, that's going to greatly reshape the city um, because you are going to have two brand new neighborhood centers forming around those stations. 
And um, I think in the, the continued outreach, I think we should be including maybe a little bit more uh, context of, of things like that. Um, that there are these changes. Another one would be the, the housing affordability requirements that the state um, is having in there, where if you ask people, you know, what kind of housing should we have? They may say, well, let's just keep all a single family housing. But when you talk about the need for affordability targets, you say, well, you're going to have to provide some apartments. Um, I, I think sometimes we, we have, we'd be asking the wrong question if we ask what form of housing people want to see. It's where do you want these forms of housing that are going to be required? Yeah, it, so it, I guess to kind of unpack that a little more. So the the 2012 comp plan, so you go there now, and we have a whole series of, I think, framework policies, or maybe they're just called light rail policy, but it was kind of established the groundwork for the sub-area planning that occurred through in and was adopted in 2015 and 16 at the two station areas. And so um, I guess what is what would be kind of the next uh, the next level of planning for us to kind of undertake in those areas. So we have the sub-area plans. And I know at the staff level, you know, we've definitely wrestled with some of the implementation of those sub-area plans, right? So we've got the land use vision, we have the zoning, uh, we've encountered challenges around uh, connectivity with, you know, we have some really big blocks in some instances with no connections. How do we get more connectivity and more connections? Not even necessarily always with cars, but just for pedestrians and bikes. Um, utilities has been sort of a common theme in those two areas too, and just the capacity to support the growth. And so those are sort of on our radar, but is there somewhere else in terms of other areas or issues or, or something that we should maybe try to be unpacking a little more for the light rail areas specifically. Commissioner Ramachandran. Uh, definitely. I think, uh, Commissioner Galuska, you touched something that is absolutely true right in front of our faces. <laughs> when we change, when we have that station on 185th next year, sometime next year, that's when it's supposed to open, it's going to change the bus route also and the frequency of the bus route will also determine down the line a change in the zoning from that station all the way down to Richmond Beach and pro probably it will reignite the issue of Port Wells. So, so that's, in my opinion, that is coming, but I f didn't know whether that was part of the comprehensive plan, so I figured uh, that's in the very near future, so I didn't even I didn't even think about it. So you, you are right, that's coming up. Commissioner Mosher. Thank you. I think, I guess I didn't bring up the light rail because I feel like we actually talk about it quite a bit because that's where all the density is. And if you read the comments, I feel like there's a lot of feelings, again, based on I think long-time residency, that that's where we should be pushing a lot of the density. So I think a lot of my questions go outside of it because I think that's where we can affect the greatest change in a different kind of way. Um, but I do think from that perspective, I think the thing with those that we should focus on, I know we've talked about ground level commercial, but I think actually like having, making that, ensuring that that has opportunities for commercial in those areas is probably the thing that I worry about the most. I worry about it just being a station with apartments, but you can't go anywhere. You have to go up and down the line, which will really just put you in Seattle or Linwood if you want to go like purchase stuff or 
So from an economic development perspective. Commissioner Lynn. I want to uh, bring us to <laughs> more close to discussion questions. I, I, um, I'm thinking the possibility of reaching out to uh, the voice that we may not have heard a lot. Uh, some of, ha have we tapped into some of these community, I mean, no, neighborhood, uh, like regular meetings? Um, I suspect there are um, uh, like individual group that able to reach uh, further. Like say if we have a few boards, uh, need to be slightly watered down. Um, I mean, in a more uh, accessible way and not too long. So in those uh, um, neighborhood meetings, it can be part of their agenda to um, to ask people to bring it to their neighbors. Um, maybe that will be able to reach a little bit more uh, uh, audience. And another, uh, there were some, uh, of course, there, there were some uh, intercept uh, surveys that um, it's quite uh, effective in terms of uh, park and open space development because that has, uh, usually has a, a more uh, like identified goal or specific uh, question that you, we want to achieve. So I'm thinking or well, bring it to comprehensive plan. Are we able to like say, instead of asking this whole series of question, um, like uh, it was brought up to maybe just the most, let's say the idea board, uh, um, that can be quickly asked mm -hmm. in a, because um, some people just won't uh, dedicate 15 minutes to go through the online survey or thinking it over. So if there is a more, like breaking it down into various event or various setting to just two minutes, mm -hmm. um, that may be able to reach uh, people with maybe a little bit more communication issues um, or um, um, like catching them in their <laughs> grocery shopping uh, intervals. Um, so that uh, those can be available input that very different, you may get different um, outcomes or different directions compared to these type of more organized um, uh, 15, 20 questions mm -hmm. type of survey. It's just a thought, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Um, I, I would like to, I'd just like to say that I was um, kind of disappointed in the, the lack of diversity in this survey. Um, I, I, and I was, there was a couple things that surprised me. One was the crime, uh, I guess, because I'm, I'm not sure. I, I understand people are, are fearful of things and perhaps they see like 
they see a theft happening at Fred Meyer or something. Um, but it's, I always think of, I immediately think of, um, like it's happened, something has happened to them. And, and that's the part that we don't know. And, and so it would be very alarming if the amount of people in this survey had had a crime occur against them, a property crime or a, a physical crime of some sort, versus just witnessing or hearing about it or feeling, or just having a kind of an underlying feeling. Um, I guess maybe I just hope that it's not actually those people, hopefully they have not actually been a victim of crime. Um, that That's a little disconcerting. If that's the case, then um, yes, I agree that we need to um, immediately pass this on to our um, police force. We need to talk about improving the funding for our police or something like that. Um, the other thing that, that, because what I heard in my neighborhood a lot was uh, aging in place and accessibility for seniors, um, for disabled population, uh, being able to stay in your home or to find a, another affordable home that is uh, functional and allow, um, allow them to stay in the Shoreline community because all these people that are, you know, 21 years plus being in this city, you know, they want to stay. I mean, there's a reason they've been here 21 years plus. Uh, um, I'm in that population, and and I want to, you know, and so uh, I'm glad that there's voices out there, and I think that they need to be, um, you know, kept in mind when we talk about housing and we talk about, uh, you know, the potential for displacement. Um, so I was just glad to see those. Those are some of my takeaways from that. Um, also, some a few things that I had been thinking about as far as reaching people. Um, that you talked about you went to the Strawberry, Strawberry Festival in Richmond Beach. I think that would be a great way. I know that, you know, our community, our neighborhood has um, a summer picnic that might be a place to, to reach people. I'm sure other community uh, neighborhoods have, you know, they're like a summer event or something like that, a, a neighborhood event. Um, common areas of uh, all the new apartments that have uh, come up, you know, I'm sure they have a, I mean, even maybe the if they have a, a central laundry area or a common open space area um, just posting something you know keep it simple we'd just love to hear from you and then the final thing that i thought about which i'm not I, i'm toying with it in my own head because i don't know if it gets too i, I don't know what the right word cheesy <laughs> um you know sitting outside of costco or mm -hmm. Uh, because that's a place where you're going to get people that are both from the community, from the city of Shoreline and outside the city of Shoreline. And you're also going to be, I think there's a diverse group of people that go to that, you know, like our Costco. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't, I, I don't know how that would play out, but it was just a place, it, you know, it came to mind because it's a, it's a real large, diverse um, place that, that it serves people 
in the city of Shoreline and outside the city of Shoreline. Yeah, I, I don't think that idea is cheesy at all. We've kicked that idea around on our team, uh, Costco, Fred Meyer, Home Depot, where, you know, you name right. it. Yeah, any of those big kind of retail destinations where you're capturing okay. a broad audience. So that's it's definitely on our radar. Okay. And faith-based organizations, which I think you probably have already captured. All right. Anybody have anything else? <laughs> I will echo Things not cheesy. <laughs> I, I, we have friends that live in Seattle that go to the Costco up here. Yeah. And we're trying to vision, their vision is in five years they will move to the top of Queenie and we're trying to convince them to move this way. So, perfect. You can catch it first. <laughs> um, also, I, I would be interested in um, attending some community events to help out. Yeah, we're so we're building out sort of a calendar for the summer events, and so um, I think like the, the a couple of the sub or the city sponsored ones. There's the swing in summer eve at Cromwell Park. I think that's in earlier mid July, so that's like the next kind of bigger city one. Um, there's the Juneteenth event on Monday, of course, here. And then there's the Celebrate Shoreline, which I think is in early August. So we'll be at, at both of those. Um, and then we have some other things that we're sort of exploring as well. So um, we could share those as they come up and we could just share them with the commissioners or we could just reach out to those that have expressed interest and just let you know. But yeah, um, the time commitment can be as, as much or as little as you want. And so we're not looking for like a big time commitment by any means. I mean, even if you have 45 minutes to an hour and a half or something, you can just pop in. You'd be working alongside the staff team. So we'll equip you with everything you need. Um, and if you get stumped by a random question, you can always phone a friend. So we'll be there. <laughs> we won't be far. And we get stumped by questions too. I mean, we're, we're asked all kinds of crazy off the wall stuff. So <laughs> no one's expected to know everything. I think from other venues, if it's easier with a QR code, obviously, but especially during the summer, but we do have a lot of music just up and down the street with Daryl's in particular has a lot, you know, three days a week, people that don't live here. But then even, I, don't, I forgot what it's called now, Aurora Borealis has a bunch mm -hmm. of music. And I know, I think the Lookout does as well. And I know people that go to all those that don't live in the city. So I think they also draw the, a different kind right. of crowd. Right. But I think it's probably easier with QR code or a pamphlet than sitting out with a table. QR code's a good idea. Does anybody else have any parting questions or comments? Just just one additional one additional place. I don't know if it's going to happen again this year, but Shoreline uh, had an opportunity where neighborhoods could do um, they could do garage sales. I saw one in my neighborhood. So you applied and people were driving around from neighborhood to neighborhood. I thought that was really very cool. So I think that's also QR codes or whatever, or a sign that Moja kind of talked about, uh, come to Shoreline. Um, but I'm kind of joking. Uh, <laughs> really uh, advertising for the comprehensive plan and uh, surveying for this, I think those would be another another opportunity. So if there is another such event that the city is sponsoring in neighborhoods, 
uh, taking advantage of them would be actually a good place because people do visit those garage sales. Yeah. Yes. I think it's also really, I mean, I think passive engagement when you're talking about planning, I think is really tough, right? But walking up to somebody in the Trader Joe's parking lot or the Costco parking lot, like that, per like, hey, can you, do you have a minute, that kind of thing? Well, really challenging for staff and I don't want to put that on y'all, but I also think that's the effective way to do it, right? Because how many folks have walked by QR codes and not engaged? So I think there's that next level of, of really intentional person-to-person -person engagement that, that is hopefully will be helpful. Mm -hmm. I recall we have consultant uh, uh, helping with part of the open house and survey uh, activities. Am I right, or or it's all staff's time? It, yeah, it's a it's a partnership. So we're um, it's a little of both. Yeah, where the city team is primarily staffing the engagement activities and things. Um, although the yeah, it it just sort of depends. They've helped facilitate like the focus groups around male housing, and so it just sort of depends on what the activity is and kind of the, uh, who's best positioned to resource it. Thank you, anybody else? Excellent discussion, good ideas. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Mr. Bauer. Thank you. All right, we will move on then. We are on to unfinished business. Is there unfinished business tonight? There is not. How about new business? All right, any reports or announcements? Um, I'd just like to say I attended the State of the City um, address this morning, so uh, it was my third one. I, I find it um, I find it very refreshing. I find it very positive. Uh, it's a it's a upbeat atmosphere. It's very positive, and there are some really great people that attend, from you know a King County Council member to the lady next door. You know, it's it's a it's a great it's a great event. So I was there this morning, and um, I would encourage you all to check it out at some point. I I just had a couple of quick uh, report type items, if I may. Yeah. So um, just a couple of updates. So the cottage housing ordinance was adopted by council on uh, not last Monday, but the Monday before. Yeah. So um, there was. A handful of amendments from what the commission recommended but it's substantially intact more or less so um, so I just wanted to update the commission on that and then um, the ground floor commercial interim regulations also passed uh, that same evening and so we're getting underway with developing permanent regulations right away and so those will be coming to you all to be um, rolling up your sleeves and determining what those regulations should be and making your recommendation to council. So that's just on the horizon in terms of work. Excellent. Great. Anybody else? All right. Then what is our agenda for the July 6th meeting? Yeah. So on July 6th, we'll have the PROZA plan coming back to you for an update. Um, you saw that a couple of months ago, I think now. Um, so that's the parks, recreation, open space and arts plan. 
All right. Very good. Very good, everybody. Any last comments? All right, everybody have a great evening. Thank you. We are adjourned.